up, y'all? Happy weekend. I'm excited to talk about this topic this week. I've had this one in my back pocket since, honestly, right around the 1st of July, which I'll tell you why that date is important in just a second. But I had a couple other episodes that I wanted to do first, so this one got put on the back burner for a little bit, but that's okay. We're going to talk about it this week. And we are talking about juicing. We are talking about roid rage and steroid usage, especially with recreational lifters and professional bodybuilders. And just jumping right in, it is so common to use steroids and any sort of hormone replacement therapy right now. It's insane how common it is. Like it's to me and to Daniel and to kind of anybody in the lifting realm, There's not even really a shock factor anymore, honestly, when someone's like, yeah, I'm juicing. It's like, okay, yeah, we we saw that one coming. You can tell. You know what I mean? It's so crazy because it's, I would equate it, honestly, to underage drinking. Like if a kid is like, yeah, I drink underage, everyone is like, yeah, so did I. Yeah, makes sense, you know? It's just so commonplace now. And I mean, you look at all the influencers, you look at all of the social media posts with bodybuilders and lifters and all of the, you know, Coach Greg's natty or not videos to see if they're natural or not. And it's just, it's so commonplace. Even you just go to a gym that's, you know, not Planet Fitness or not Snap Fitness and the percentage of people that are probably juicing is just so high and I feel like we didn't see that before in the past you know decades or so before it was like okay you had your you had your Arnold's and then there was everybody else and now it's just kids like 18 19 20 year olds that are just nobodies just in a gym and they're juicing it's crazy it's so insane to me and The other thing that's so weird about it, and I'm kind of honestly torn on whether it's partly the cause or not, but yes, it's commonplace for everyone to juice and for just the majority of the population to at least even question it, to know a little bit about it, to maybe have considered using steroids, but it's also so common to hear about it. And I think that's the difference. Before, we never talked about it. And now... All of these, again, influencers and lifters and bodybuilders, they're all talking pretty openly about it. They're all saying, yeah, this guy's juicing, this one's not. I use this, this is my cycle, whatever, whatever. They're so open about it. And there's a really interesting dichotomy between that, I think, because part of it, I think, is a good thing. Because when these bodybuilders and successful lifters and all of these people, when they come out, and honestly say, yes, I did abuse steroids in the past. It was a bad idea. This is what happened to my body. This is why you should be careful with it. This is why I don't abuse them at such a high rate anymore. Part of the the good thing that comes from that, of being so open, is it does set up an honest expectation for some of these kids. Because before... Yes, if you looked like Arnold Schwarzenegger, you could tell he was on steroids. But some of these other people that were kind of in the middle, you would see them. Maybe you didn't know they were juicing. You'd be like, oh, if I just work hard and follow his workout plan, follow his diet plan, I can look like sebum. 
No, you can't. Statistically, no, you can't. Like, there are certain genetic limits to everybody's body. And so I think with lifters and bodybuilders being honest about steroid usage, it helps in the sense that you're not setting up false expectations. And you can tell kids like, hey, you are not going to look like me if you don't juice. I juiced, it was bad, blah, blah, blah. And it, you know, it's raising awareness to some of the health issues, to the risks. It's providing education on the risks. That's a good thing, right? However, where I'm kind of torn on it and where that dichotomy comes in is they're talking about it so openly. And quite frankly, they still look good. They're still alive. They still look healthy on social media. And so by talking about so much, you're now desensitized to the topic. Like I said, if I hear someone was juicing, I'll be like, yep, they're a lifter. Makes sense. It's become the normal. It has become commonplace. And so it, in a way, makes it not so scary. It removes that negative stigma. It's not some unknown anymore. And it kind of, I can see how it could perpetuate and enable the bad behavior. Oh, well, Seabum did it and he looks amazing and he's a great guy and he's doing just fine. I'll just try a little bit of HRT. I'll just do a low dose of trend. I'll just cycle and do the pyramiding and then we'll be fine. And then here we are. And we have Joe Stetic or Joe Lindner dying at the age of 30 years old on July 1st. Maybe from steroid usage, maybe not. The steroids definitely didn't help, right? And so that's, I think, where the danger comes in. And I think it's a really interesting topic because what is the correct way? Like I said, we don't want to put these kids in the dark and make them think that something is attainable when it's not. And to make them think that, you know, everything's going to be just fine when maybe it won't be just fine. So let's talk about Joe Lindner or Joe Stetic. He was a German bodybuilder. He was kind of like a sebum. Everybody loved him. He was always really nice to all the people. He wasn't really douchey. Kind of seemed like a sweetheart, right? And he died from an aneurysm at, like I said, 30 years old, which is so, so, so young. And Coach Greg, if you guys know him, he's very popular in the fitness realm. Um, He's done a lot of videos on Joe Stetic, especially his passing. And so I highly recommend you watch them. They're great. But in some of his videos, he was talking about his relationship with Joe and like his knowledge of Joe and stuff in the same sense to kind of be like, hey, this is a pretty serious warning to all these kids that think they can just play around with steroid usage at 18 and 19 years old. Like know what you're getting yourself into, know what you're doing to your body and be aware of that. And so... In his video, he was talking about how he actually was coaching Joe through one of his preps for his competition. And so he was actually like aware of his dosages and tracking it. And he didn't say exactly what Joe was on or his dosage because he said, this is private medical information. I don't think it's my place to share, which I think is great on Coach Greg. But he's got full podcasts, full interviews with Joe from previous episodes up on YouTube. And Joe was very open and honest about his abuse of Trent from a very young age. Um, 
But then, according to Coach Greg, he did switch to HRT, um, hormone replacement therapy. He dropped down to pretty low doses, basically just enough to maintain his current physique. And the thing is, though, he was also, according to Coach Greg, Joe was also on insane amounts of coffee every day. Like, I'm talking up to four liters a day just to curb his appetite. So obviously that does not help with his health, especially with an aneurysm or anything of that nature. Um, Plus Joe was insanely, insanely vascular, which yes, we all know is a side effect slash symptom of steroid usage, right? But if you look at some of his videos and some of his pictures, he was like unbelievably vascular everywhere on his body which is not necessarily healthy at that scale. And Coach Greg kind of brought that up. He was like, hey, look at these pictures. This is not just, okay, post-pump, he's got some good veins in his forearms and his hands and his biceps. No, this was like his thighs, his calves, his feet, like his palms, just everywhere was just sort of unnaturally vascular. And it could easily be seen as a health concern and that, you know, maybe his body was just screaming for more oxygen or just more blood volume in general. If he had higher blood, red blood cell counts and his blood is just like thick, like more molasses than water content, like that can be a sign that, hey, something is wrong, right? And Joe was also known for his insane chest and lat striation movements where he could just wiggle that shit on command. You guys should see the videos, it's insane. It's like, it was like a rainbow, just like going through from his chest across his shoulders and then back through his lats. And again, yeah, sometimes at some levels, it is just great muscle striation and mind to muscle connection. But again, at his extent, it can also be seen as a health warning, as a sign that maybe something isn't quite right. If his muscles are just straight quivering to that extent, like Coach Greg said, like, hey, check your blood results. Like, are your electrolytes imbalanced at a minimum? You know what I mean? And so all of this to say, there could have been other causes of his early death. Absolutely. Like I said, it's not just a, okay, he was 100% healthy, he took steroids, and then he died at 30. No. I don't know that we can just immediately blame steroid usage or even just performance enhancing drugs. However, you mix in excessive caffeine with higher red blood cell counts, with anabolic steroid usage, with excessive high intensity lifting, with just about any other pre-existing condition, and it's just not a good mix. Like I said, it didn't did the steroids cause his death directly? I don't know. I wasn't the coroner. But did the steroids help? Pretty solid shot that that's a no. Right? And I mentioned this in some other episodes. Maybe y'all think I'm crazy. That's fine. But I truly do think that your body sends you signals and messages for a reason. Like with him, if he's excessively vascular in places where humans aren't normally vascular, probably a sign something's a little off. If your muscles are just quivering probably a sign something is off. And so I think we just need to listen to them, right? Just listen to what our body's telling us because your body knows what you need or what's wrong well before you do and usually well before doctors do. 
We just have to listen to those check engine lights, right? So I found a really cool, cause I wanted to do some research for y'all on steroid usage. And I found a really, really cool timeline from Sports Illustrated. They put this out in 2008. So obviously it goes up until 2008, but I think it's a really cool timeline. So let's go through this. 1886, we go way back here. 24 year old Welsh cyclist, Arthur Linton, dies during a race from Bordeaux to Paris. Though the cause of death is reported as typhoid fever, he is believed to have taken trimethyl, which is a stimulant. 1889, French physicist Charles Edouard Brown Sequard. I don't know, there's a lot of accent. You guys get it, a French physicist. He was 72 at the time. He extracts testicular fluid from dogs and guinea pigs and injects it into himself. He announces his findings at a scientific meeting in Paris, claiming to feel years younger with renewed energy. 1935, German scientists led by chemist Adolf Butendant, he develops anabolic steroids as a way to treat hypogonadism or testosterone deficiency. He would later win the Nobel Prize for his cumulative findings in sex hormones. 1940 to 1945, this is crazy. According to anecdotal accounts, the Nazis test anabolic steroids on prisoners, Gestapos, and Hitler himself. Testosterone and its analogs are used by German soldiers to promote aggressiveness and physical strength. Retrospectively, according to his physician, Hitler's mental state towards the end of his life exhibits characteristics that some scientists associate with heavy steroid use, such as mania, acute paranoid psychoses, overly aggressive and violent behavior, depression, and suicidal ideologies. 1945 to 1947, anabolic steroids are used to help reverse the wasting effects of war and concentration camp imprisonment. 1954, as the USSR begins to dominate the sport of powerlifting, a Soviet team doctor allegedly reveals his team's use of testosterone injections to US weightlifting doctor John Ziegler. Ziegler begins work on creating a refined synthesis technique that would produce a compound with the muscle building benefits of testosterone without androgenic side effects such as prostate enlargement. 1958, Ziegler's anabolic steroid, methandrostenolone, sure we'll go with it, that is released by Seba Pharmaceuticals under the name Dianabol. 1960, they had to do a little self-promotion here. Sports Illustrated publishes Our Drug, Happy Athletes by George Walsh, exposing the use of amphetamines or pep pills, tranquilizers, cocaine, and other drugs in elite sports. 1969, Sports Illustrated produces a three-part investigation about performance-enhancing drugs in sports. Sources predict that the use of such drugs will eventually explode into an epidemic. The former LA Dodgers team doctor, Robert Curlin, said the excessive and secretive use of drugs is likely to become a major athletic scandal, one that will shake public confidence in many sports, just as the gambling scandal tarnished the reputation of basketball. 1973, now bear with me here, this connects in a second, okay? 
1973, East German women take home 10 of the 14 gold medals at the inaugural Swimming World Championships in Belgrade. 1975, the International Olympic Committee adds anabolic steroids to its list of banned substances. 1976, East German women, here we go again with these East German women, their swimmers take 11 of the 13 individual gold medals, setting eight world records at the Montreal Olympics, the first to have drug testing. 1983, the governing body of the Pan Am Games in Caracas strips Chicago weightlifter Jeff Mickles of three gold medals and three other Latin American weightlifters of theirs when they test positive for anabolic steroids. 13 other members of the U.S. track and field team then withdraw from the games. 23 medals, including 11 gold, are taken away. 1988, the high-profile rivalry between sprinters Carl Lewis and Ben Johnson comes to a head when Johnson posts a record-smashing time of 9.79 seconds in the 100 meters at the Seoul Olympics, shaving 0.14 of a second off the previous record. Johnson's time is deleted from record books and his gold medal stripped after the anabolic steroid Stanozol is detected in his urine sample. 1991, 20 former East German coaches, here we go again, they admit to administering anabolic steroids to some of their swimmers. 1990, the Anabolic Steroids Control Act is introduced by Congress. It classifies steroids as a Schedule III controlled substance for which trafficking is now a felony, not a misdemeanor. This is when it became officially illegal in the United States. 1992, NFL defensive end Lyle... Alzado dies of brain cancer on May 14th. The 43-year-old two-time All-Pro believed his disease was a result of more than two decades of steroid and HGH use, which is human growth hormone, which at its peak cost him as much as $30,000 a year. Scientific research has yet to demonstrate a link between steroids or HGH and brain cancer. 1998, suspicions surrounding Michelle Smith's quick rise to athletic stardom are further fueled when the Irish swimmer, who won three gold and a bronze medal at the 1996 Atlanta Olympics, misses several drug tests. Smith, whose ascent in the sport came only after she began training with her husband, a discus thrower who is himself on probation for failing a drug test. She later tries to dilute with whiskey her sample for a surprise drug test at her home. She is suspended for four years. 1998 competition takes a backseat to scandal at the Tour de France when the Festina team is ejected from competition following team director Bruno Roussel's admission that he oversaw the provision of his team with performance-enhancing drugs. A stash of such substances, including erythropoietin, I've never been able to say that right. A substance that increases the oxygen carrying capacity of blood is discovered in a search of the team Masseur's car. Another six of the 21 teams voluntarily drop out of the tour, citing unfair police tactics and mistreatment of participants. Over three weeks, the initial field of 189 cyclists is reduced to fewer than 100. Richard Varenke, a Festina rider who confessed to using banned substances, is suspended from international competition for nine months. 
1999, the World Anti-Doping Agency is formed through the IOC. 2000, urinalysis tests are improved to detect that erythropoietin, or EPO that I can't say. So they can detect EPO, but not blood doping, which is the injection of one's own red blood cells. Still undetectable, potential risks of blood doping include blood clots, strokes, and thrombosis. Hmm, almost sounds a little bit like what happened to Joe Aesthetic, doesn't it? 2002, Ken Camantini, who retired from baseball after the 2001 season, admits in the June 3 issue of Sports Illustrated that he was using steroids when he won the 1996 National League MVP award, adding, quote, I've made a ton of mistakes. I don't think using steroids is one of them, unquote. He estimates that at least half of his fellow big leaguers are regular juicers. 2003, a person identifying himself only as a, quote, high-profile track coach fingers the Bay Area Laboratory Cooperative and its founder, Victor Conte, as the maker and distributor of an undetectable steroid being used by several athletes. More than 30 elite athletes are ultimately subpoenaed to testify before a grand jury in San Francisco. Among those called to the stand are Olympic track and field champion Marion Jones and major leaguers Barry Bonds, Jason Giambi, and Gary Schiffel. 2004, Camantini dies of a heart attack at 41 on October 10th. Also in 2004, based on lawsuits filed and documents of East German police that were revealed, like I said, I told you those East German women swimmers, they're coming back. The New York Times estimated that 500 to 2,000 of the 10,000 East German athletes involved in that country's doping program are suffering severe health problems, including liver tumors, heart disease, testicular or breast cancer, infertility, depression, eating disorders, miscarriages, or birth defects. 2005, Jose Canseco's tell-all book, Juiced, Wild Times, Rampant Roids, Smash Hits, and How Baseball Got Big. That's a title. That book is released early due to a massive wave of publicity. In it, the retired outfielder speaks of his own rampant steroid use starting at age 20, and of the alleged use by home run kings Mark McGuire and Sammy Sosa. 2005, former NFL linebacker Bill Romanowski admits to using steroids obtained through Conte. 2006, Game of Shadows by Lance Williams and Mark Fenaruwada is published in March. The book chronicles that Bay Area investigation, pointing a finger at Bonds even as he chases Hank Aaron's career home run record. Bond denies ever knowingly using steroids or other illegal performance enhancers. 2006, East Germany again. Former East German athletes are awarded monetary compensation in December for health problems resulting from the doping experiments of the 70s and 80s. Each of the 167 former athletes receives $12,210 and agrees to halt legal action. The money comes from the German Olympic Sports Union, the German federal government, and Genafarm, the pharmaceuticals company that produced many of the drugs. 2007, pro wrestler Chris Benoit, his wife Nancy, and their seven-year-old son Daniel are found dead in their 
Georgia home on June 25th. Police rule the case a murder-suicide. Tests show 10 times the normal amount of testosterone in Benoit's body. 2006, on July 23rd, Floyd Landis wins the Tour de France. Landis moves up eight places in the final three days of the race, prompting Tour's director LeBlanc to deem it, quote, the best performance in the modern history of the Tour, unquote. Then, four days later, on July 27th, Landis's Phonak team confirms that he has tested positive for high levels of testosterone. Landis contends that he won, quote, fair and square, unquote. 2007, Bonds breaks Aaron's mark on August 6th when he hits his 756th homer. At a post-game press conference, Bonds says, quote, this record is not tainted at all, at all, period, quote. Sounds like he's trying a little hard to convince people there and doing a little bit of overcompensating. Hmm. Hmm. 2007, on December 12th, the International Olympic Committee strips Jones of the five medals, three gold, two bronze, that she had won in Sydney. In October, Jones had admitted using Balco's designer steroid, The Clear, from 2001 to 2002. Later on in 2007, the Mitchell report on steroid use in baseball. Good Lord, Bobo. I'm sorry. I have to keep that in there. That is the weirdest noise I think I've ever heard Marshmallow make. And I'm just, I just know I'm not going to be able to get that on camera or audio ever again. So I'm going to keep it in there. I think that was his like post nap yawn. I don't, (laughs) I don't really know. I don't know. Okay. Uh, where was I? 2007, the Mitchell report on steroid use in baseball is released. Drawing the most attention are allegations that Roger Clemens and Andy Petit, I think that's how you pronounce it, used performance-enhancing drugs. 2008, Albanese Times Union breaks a story claiming that a number of hip-hop stars, including Mary J. Blige, 50 Cent, and Wycliffe Jean, may have used or received prescribed shipments of steroids and HGH. A representative for Blige says that she has never used those substances. The others do not comment. Also in 2008, Clemens and his former personal trainer, Brian McNamee, testify before the House Committee on Oversight and Government Reform. McNamee says he injected HGH and testosterone into Clemens on numerous occasions, and Clemens denies it. The Justice Department begins an investigation into whether the seven-time Cy Young Award winner lied under oath. So there's a nice little timeline for you. A lot of cool stuff in there, like the Nazis, super interesting to me. And um, who would have thought? 50 Cent, Mary J. Blige. What business do they have on HGH? You know what I mean? Like why, why, why? I don't, I don't know. So like I said, steroids are insanely prevalent since, I mean, shoot, back in the 1800s. But let's talk about the risks, okay? So this is from the National Drug Intelligence Center, and it pretty much states what we know, but maybe in case you're not aware, I'll just go through it. So steroid abuse is associated with a range of physical and emotional problems. Physical consequences include liver tumors and cancer, jaundice, high blood pressure, and increases in cholesterol levels, kidney tumors, fluid retention, severe acne. Men may experience shrinking of the testicles, reduced sperm count, infertility, 
baldness, breast development, or gynecomastia, and increased risk of prostate cancer. Women may experience growth of facial hair, male pattern baldness changes, or the cessation of menstrual cycles, and the deepening of the voice. Individuals who are still growing, so teenagers or adolescents, they risk prematurely halting their growth because of early skeletal maturation and acceleration of puberty. Maybe that's why Coach Greg is so short. Sorry, Coach Greg. Now, on the emotional side, steroid use is associated with dramatic mood swings, including manic symptoms that can lead to violence called roid rage, depression, paranoid jealousy, extreme irritability, delusions, and impaired judgment. And then of course, in addition to the risks directly associated with steroid abuse, individuals who inject the drugs expose themselves to the risk of needle-borne diseases, including HIV, hepatitis B and C, and other blood-borne viruses. So interestingly enough, but also understandably, you can't just Google, hey, how many bodybuilders are juicing in the US? Like, sure, you can find news articles or personal blogs or like internet content, right? That says, oh, this guy named Mark used anabolic steroids and according to him, this percentage of gym goers use steroids. But I mean, that's not really credible. And y'all know I only use the best credible sources for you guys. I try to give you the best information I can find. So I was looking for legit research publications and I also try to find the most recent information too. And there's not much, honestly, especially not in the US either, which kind of surprised me. I found some great studies of recreational and professional bodybuilders in Brazil, multiple in Iran, but that's kind of it. But that makes sense, right? I mean, because it is illegal. So even if these research studies are confidential, you can't just be going around admitting that you're currently participating or have participated in the past with illegal activities. Which that's why I just don't get how so many bodybuilders now, like Seabum and Joe Stetic and Coach Greg and all these other people, how they're admitting to using peds or steroids, even if it was in the past. Like... I don't know, maybe I'm being dumb, but if it's illegal, it's illegal, right? Unless they were able to get legitimate prescriptions and then skirt by the legalities that way, and then maybe they just cycle off in enough time before competitions that all their blood work comes back clean. I mean, I don't know, I don't really fully get that. But if they're saying, yeah, I abused steroids for competitions, don't be like me, isn't that an easy argument for getting them or even the doctors for prescribing under false pretenses? Because it'd be one thing if you had like a skinny kid saying, yeah, I took steroids and you can see that they're lying for social media or for attention, whatever. But if sebum is saying this, how is that legal? Like just because they don't have the physical proof of steroids on their person? I don't know. I don't really get that part. But anyway, apparently... Iran is the up-and-coming producer of the next Arnold. So, like I said, I found a few of them of research, like legitimate research studies into anabolic steroid usage in Iran. But it was from like 1998 and like the early 2000s. So I kind of discarded them at first because I was like, this is a very specific town in Iran. Like, why Iran? You know, it seems like very specific and they were pretty dated. And then... I kept looking and basically I didn't find anything newer or more applicable, 
Which made me wonder, like, okay, why is there so much attention on Iran? And I found another study from 2016, which is honestly the most recent I could find. So here we go. It's from the National Library of Medicine, sponsored by the National Center for Biotechnology Information. So pretty legitimate, I would say. And I just think that the prevalence, even if it is only in Iran, like the prevalence statistics of usage is just insane. It's just off the charge. So background on this study, several reports, like I said, have implied progressive increase of performance enhancing drugs or PEDS among Iranian athletes. More importantly, most of the previous research in the Iranian population had focused mainly on the anabolic steroid abuse and ignored other agents. Because obviously there are multiple types of steroids, if you want to call them that. And so a lot of them only focus on anabolic steroids. They ignore stimulants. They ignore hormone replacement therapies. They ignore performance enhancing drugs, all this stuff, right? So with this study, what they did was they took 453 male bodybuilding athletes and they pulled them all from these gyms between February and May of 2015. Men were eligible to participate in the survey if they had regularly participated in the strength training exercise minimum of one year, four hours a week, which is that's like definition recreational. You know what I mean? It's not like they're pulling only insane the C-bums of the world, like insane lifters, right? This is like, I would say that's your best range of average gym goer lifters, right? Four hours a week is not much at all. So anyway, they collect this data. Um, they do the full survey on demographics, exercise patterns, peed usage, all this stuff. And according to this study, 51.7% of those athletes had used peds. And that is a high number. That is a very high number. Because when you look at the the less credible sources, especially in the US, those stats are like 13%, 8%, very, very, very low. This is 51%. And I think, like I said, yes, it's Iran. Yes, this is 2016. But I think that that might be a more realistic look at what our averages on usage is truly at in the US right about half. So the most prevalent agents which had been abused by athletes were, of course, anabolic steroids, but 47% of those athletes reported stimulant agents use as well during their routines. And of course, as we can all expect, the most prevalent motivation for using PEDS was increasing muscle mass that was reported by 70.1% of those users. Now, Joe Lindner was unfortunately not the only bodybuilder to pass away too young. As I mentioned in the timeline from Sports Illustrated, there are absolutely cases of athletes dying at a much younger age than the average population. And I found some studies for that too. So the American Urological Association published a study also in 2016 about the mortality rates of professional male bodybuilders. Now, I'm assuming that they only looked at male bodybuilders because of the prevalence of steroid usage historically was really only seen in males. The rates of female bodybuilder usage is absolutely on the rise in these past couple decades, but we just don't have the stats like we do with males dating back to the 50s and 60s and all that. 
So how they did the study was they gathered an initial cohort of all 1,578 professional male bodybuilders who competed between 1948 and 2014. And then complete mortality data was obtained for 579. This cohort was identified via competition listings and bodybuilding websites. Then mortality rates among bodybuilders were compared with CDC mortality rates for an age-matched male population. The mean age within the study cohort was 47.5 years. The mean age during competitive years was 24.6 years. Of the 597 bodybuilders with mortality data, 58 were reported dead and 539 living. Only 40 deaths were expected in this population based on age match data. The mean age of death was 47.7 years, which is insane. Mortality rates of bodybuilders within the cohort were 34% higher than those in an age-matched general U.S. male population. The cause of this increased mortality is currently unclear, but supports the possibility that the use of performance-enhancing drugs and the unique competitive training, e.g. extreme weight changes, may contribute to deaths among younger professional bodybuilders. Current work is focused on determining cause of death by linkage to the National Death Index. So... It's crazy. It's, well, it's, it's sad. Like, it's sad on so many levels. And when you really look at the bigger picture, it's sad to think that these guys feel the need to use drugs that are literally killing them at a 34% higher rate than their male counterparts for aesthetics and for superficial reasons. You know what I mean? Because... You can say, oh, it's about the dedication and look what I've earned and blah, blah, blah. And yeah, absolutely. To win a competition with or without steroid usage, it does take grit. It does take determination. It does take focus. It does take consistency. But all of those good traits and qualities are also still present when you are competing at a natural level. It's, I mean, that's just my take on it. So hopefully... <laughs> I don't know, man. I just, I hope they get the help that they need for their body dysmorphia. I hope that they can learn to be okay with themselves at a natural level. There are plenty of natural athletes that accomplish insane things. I don't think that you need steroids. It's not like you're mediocre without steroids and then amazing with steroids. You're still amazing without steroids. It's just steroids take you to an unnaturally high level. Right, but I, is it worth it? Is that is all of these health risks really worth it? You know, but then again, I'm also not competing. I'm not a bodybuilder, so you know my my opinion is probably pretty mute on the point. But that is my take on steroids. Hopefully, you guys enjoyed this deep dive. Hopefully, y'all like Samarshi's uh, input. I. Don't, <laughs> This is the weirdest little Wookiee noise. This is the cutest thing I've ever heard in my life, though, honestly. But, yeah, I will leave it at that. Hopefully I didn't butcher any of those sports names too much. If I'm sure I did. I'm positive that I did pronounce at least half of those names wrong. Just don't come at me. Just Just let it go. You know, just... You guys know I don't know my sports people. I don't know who these people are. I just think it's interesting, all the tea and the drama that goes on in the sports world. So... 
That's like their own little drama show. But yeah, I will catch y'all next week. Make good choices. Please don't do drugs. Be a decent human being. Take care of yourself. Please don't do drugs. And I will catch y'all next time. Okay, bye.